All right, here we are. We're presented by our friends at TechGC, um, and I'm a member of TechGC. How long have you been at TechGC, Andy? I've uh, been in for a while. I would, I think five yeah. years, and I was introduced to TechGC by a good friend named Matt Rowe, um, who's a GC at a company called Parallel Wireless here, and he was one of the first members of TechGC. Yeah. And uh, the the thing, it's it's got events and stuff, and the, but the membership is... It's just, man, it's another world in terms of, of a circle of really experienced people that come yeah. together to talk, to solve really hard problems. Like during COVID, for example, when it first happened and a lot of companies had to get PPP loans, there was like an incredible coming together and discussion of all these people that were hyper-focused on securing their you know PPP loans for their company and um, to keep, you know, to keep employees, you know, for real, real and where reasons. Where do these discussions happen? Like, how do you guys do this? Yeah, there's like, a, there's like a listserv, but then people are breaking off and having conversations and there's WhatsApp and there's Signal and there's texting and there's this, you know, but for those things, you know, it's just really hard. Otherwise, you're just spending a ton of money outside council fees and just trying to solve it on your own. And it's just, it's the information, but it's also just not feeling alone. You know, like I'm not alone yeah. in this, it's a hard job. So yeah. I'm not alone in it. So it's, yeah. well, it's great for that. When I become a GC, if I become a GC, I, I will join the ranks because it's like, it feels like a little secret society, not secret, but it feels like an, a, a cool exclusive club. Well, there's, like a, a, there's a deputy, there's a deputy group. And so that group is oh. open to, to non general councils. So. Oh, dope, man. Maybe yeah. I'll join that. Yeah. So our guest is Sonia Sidiki, who is at Coinbase. Coinbase has several members of TechGC, which is cool. But Coinbase is a really interesting, cool company. And Sonia is interesting and cool, too. Yeah, I think first Coinbase, like, um, you know, it's people's gateway into this, like, crypto NFT world, I think. When I say people, I mean average, average folks. Like, it's not hard to open an account. It's not hard to put some cash in it. And they've sort of retailized access to this like you know entire marketplace of um you know of just an interesting tech space where people who are just interested are excited about new investments can participate but also like die hard you know believers in like the disruptive geopolitical power of crypto can also use this tool like i don't think it's corny for like fancy you know uh hacker types to use coinbase right like it's right. not like right it, and 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 i and, and i think that's it's a really fine line that coinbase has figured out how to walk which is help the mass adoption crowd that is sort of casually into uh crypto um and also like not alienate like the hardcore like you know like philosophical crypto people right yeah i'm actually somewhere in between both of those groups i'm not like a retaily crypto guy and I'm also not like crypto is the new government order. Like I'm neither <laughs> one of those. I'm like somewhere in the middle. And I think, you know, I use Coinbase. I think it's a cool tool. Um, and and I think they like struck at the exact right time. And yeah, the, their scaling over the last two years or so is proof of that. It's the perfect toe and, dipper. Yeah. You know, it's the perfect way to dip yeah. your toes into quote Web3. When they went public, yeah. when they went public, I was yeah. like, oh, I got to diversify my you know, investment yeah. portfolio. And I'd like to get into some of this stuff, but I'm, you're right. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go like find some crazy web three company that is really aggressive and, you know, angel invest in it. You know, no, I'm going to dip yeah. my toe in and like, I'm going to have a little Bitcoin. Oh, maybe I'll have a little Ethereum. I need to have a little yeah. of this. I need to like dip in, in a place that's, that feels like reasonable for me to do that. 
Yeah, totally, man. I'm excited to talk to Sonya about this Web3 stuff. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like I, I definitely have my doubts about the, whether there's a there there. I, I do think that it's going to generate and create like a new way for the internet to work. I just don't know that it's going to be what some folks think, which is a new way for the internet to govern itself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think the adoption of the technology will make sense. I think, you know, I think there will be a lot of innovation that comes out of like the entire conceptual world of Web3. Is it going to transform who runs and funds the internet? I don't know, man. It's 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 you know you remember these buzzwords like that happen and people just yeah, invest, like I, in, I, invest I, behind I them. them they just yeah. invest behind them ai big data web3 iot is, yeah but i think the yeah. truth is there's always some truth in those things being successful yeah. technologies it's always yeah. just in the what, what's what's how's that going to play out right how's it going to play yeah. out in the metaverse how's it going to play out in you know financial regulation there's just a lot of cool questions surrounding it yeah 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 i think our chat with sonia covers a lot of that and she's obviously smart and i'll tell you this she's in a good place to be one of the people who helps us figure out all these oh, you know, yeah. all the answers to all these questions yeah. super yeah. fun times it's innovative like we like so that's good super fun times let's do it we are here we're here we're joined by sonia cd key from coinbase some companies keep it all together and some have this fully built, like obviously bigger companies have like fully built out P council function. Do you guys think that's new? Is that, or like the last five years or has it been long around longer? I think it's a forever thing, man. I, I, I yeah. can't imagine like privacy is one dimension of things, you know, I just security is another. And sometimes they're related. Sometimes they're not, but like product is so much more man like yeah. just think about all the other issues involved that have nothing to do with privacy when you're building a you know a SaaS product or a I think like the last 10 years like a seven to ten years um yeah. i think privacy breaking off from product is a newer thing actually so you think it was bundled yeah i mean that's probably right in the last yeah. 10 years yeah yeah well how'd you get into yeah, it I, how'd you get into it you know into how'd you get into privacy and security at, at at coinbase because it's a it's a a company people are talking about a lot i mean not just because of the popularity of web3 things and blockchain and everything like how did you make the decision to jump into that space because it's it's not easy yeah you know that, that's such an interesting question because i feel like you know before I did that and I would look at other people's resumes and whatever and their LinkedIn's and I would be like, wow, like they, they did the right thing and they made this move and it was so deliberate. And I can't honestly say that that was the case. I think there was a little bit of naivete uh, at my joining of Coinbase and what that meant. And like in retrospect, I could look at it and be cool and be like, yeah, I made a really cool move at a really cool time. And it has been so far like a very great thing. Um, but at the time I was, I was looking to leave Grant Thornton, a consulting firm that I'd been with for about five and a half years. Um, and I was itching to do a couple of things. Like I, I wanted to be less of a consultant and more of a traditional lawyer. I felt like that I wanted to kind of dip my toes into sort of that part of my skill set. I knew in doing that and having advised so many clients over my time at Coinbase that I wanted to go to a company that was more um, data driven 
and in a space that was more of an evolving regulatory landscape. I also knew like financially I wanted some equity, right? So that, that was <laughs> other um, and so those are like the factors that I was throwing in. And I remember talking about this with my my husband and saying this, and he was like, don't you think that wish list is like really like aspirational? And I was like, no, these are the things I want. I'm going to wait and get it. And, you know, these the, the further you get along your career, as I'm sure both of you know, the longer it takes to find your next thing. And so it took me a little over a year. Um, and I was about to accept a job at another tech company that had already gone public. Um, and it didn't meet all those markers. I think one of my unknown markers to myself at the time that came out over the course of me interviewing and exploring options was I wanted to work for like a really strong female leader. And that was something that I felt like would help cultivate my own sort of growth. And so I was that that kind of tipped the scales for this other company. And I was about I had the offer in hand and the comp looked good, the leveling looked good. You know, it wasn't the most it was like an e-commerce type company. So it wasn't like, you know, it was fairly regulated. It wasn't very like there wasn't as many unknowns, but there's enough space for me to think about making an impact and doing work. And I was on the train home from New York and I get a call from this woman who then hired me at Coinbase saying, hey, we have a spot. Are you still looking? And similarly, very much so respect her. And so that I, I think the, ta- the, the the scales kind of tipped a little bit more. I was like, this is interesting enough because I have that sort of mentorship aspect that I'm looking for. But crypto is not very regulated. There are so many unknowns. Who even knows what privacy means in this space? This company hasn't really gone pri- public yet. It hasn't really. They had not gone public yet. And so they kind of, it kind of brought in a lot of that. I wasn't I like, one. I know crypto, right? Like I wasn't <laughs> one of those. I candidly was not, right? I was just like, this seems cool. Let's do it. I love one aspect of what you said so much that like you're 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 running into the fire. You're running into the unknown. You're you're talking about the appeal of a job where the regulatory landscape is is not clear. I mean, I don't think Pedro, you and I are alone. We we like that stuff. But you know, that's that you don't hear that every day. Some lawyers are comfortable with that and some want that and seek it out, and some are like Get me as far away from, from that as possible. Um, but that's where laws meet, right? And that's where privacy takes shape, right? And so for me, and I think this had trickled out of my time at Grant, Grant Thornton, right? Where I'd advised num- numerous companies, both in regulated, very regulated spaces like health sciences and stuff like that. And being like, there is defined guidance. And all I have to do is find that and implement that. And that is fulfilling for some people. And it, it gets it gets you to where you need to go. But then there's like the cool stuff. Like we don't know the answer and we just got to take a risk one way or the other and make sure we're, we feel like it's defensible and, you know, stand behind it. And that to me is, I mean, I think I'm young enough to still find that very exciting. Right. And, so, and it's hard. Right. It's super hard. And outside counsel is is difficult to work with on things like that. But, you know, we all get there and it's it's, it's fun. I'm sure you guys feel the same. Yeah. I mean, look, there's another advantage of being in undefined areas of law, which is um, you get to help define them through the product practices that your company undertakes. Right. Like for better or worse, you, you might yeah. go down a path that ends up getting regulated out or you go down a path that ends up being the standard. Um, or somewhere in between. Um, and that's fun and experimental and like creates a lot of anxiety and makes me nervous half the time because there's some educated guessing happening quite a bit, but I'd be bored otherwise. I mean, me and Andy talk about this all the time. Like 
much respect to tax lawyers and I'm annoyed at tax lawyers right now because I just got my tax <laughs> bill, but like, it's just formulaic work in a lot of ways. I'm sure the tax lawyer would get on here and tell me I'm crazy and that's not true, but like, that's how it seems to me where there's no formula for 90% of what we do. There's nothing. Um, like you're constantly trying to figure out through like cooperation with your colleagues and peers, how best to approach problems that haven't been defined by law or rule yet. And we have some rules on the books, right? Obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, but the rules are designed opaquely, right? They're not, there's some prescriptiveness in them, but not much. So, you know, it, it still allows room for a lot of creativity and a lot of and, um, ingenuity, I think, which is what lets me not yeah. be bored at work. And I think like Web3 is taking that to a whole new level, right? Like, Let, the, let's talk, can we talk about Web3? Tell me what that is. Because I ask every smart person I know what that means, and every single one gives me a different answer. So, yeah, I've I've listened to so many podcasts about what that means, and I think every single one is a different yeah. answer too. I asked this one yesterday, and they were like, the guy was like, I don't even like the notion of Web One, Two, and Three. Like, I don't even want to use yeah. those words. And I was like, Oh wow, the literature we're changing it up a little bit. But, That's bold. Um, <laughs> no, really. Um, Web Three is sort of this shift away from centralized sort of like gatekeeping of the internet, right? Like this, this is like the way I look at it is, and this is like sort of, I feel like we're still in this like rose colored lenses phase of web three, but the whole point is like, there was these Googles and Apples and all these companies that essentially were the intermediaries that made it, you know, very easy to access the internet and, and, and avail themselves to all these wonderful things and, and utilities. But it was at the cost of, liberties and i don't like to use the word privacy even though that's what we often hear when we think about the transition from web 2 to web 3 i think it's more than just privacy and 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 it's it was just like you know just generally some rights that individuals had with regards to their data or their information or their interactions and things like that right and so web 3 has come along as this disruptor to that to decentralize that model to allow for a sort of retaking of ownership of your data and allow you to, what's the word? Sort of, you are the authority in how you decide to share and what you decide to share and where you engage, right? This is the whole thing with your wallet holding all your information. You connect that wallet. That doesn't automatically give whoever you connect that wallet to total insight into everything you own in that, that, that crypto wallet, right? You're authorizing various, like, transactions or something like that so there's like off sort of authorizations that go through which are very like yes or no's but they can't see every nft in your wallet or every balance in every case right and so Here, I can think i give you my reaction to, to this that. like can yeah. i give you my reaction to this democratized utopia of internet access yeah um if you look at if you watch people people go where the content is that's point blank that's that's the most popular places on the internet is where the coolest stuff is happening. That's just the truth. Right. Um, and, and so like think YouTube, think, you know, Instagram, think yeah. TikTok. this is where traffic travels. Um, the democratization of like, or let's call it the deplatforming, in my opinion, might lead to like less concentration of content in specific places, but then there's also less curating. So you get noise and you get shit content. Right. And like that's sort of my worry with all of this is that like if we sort of like um, I, I, deplatforming is not the right word, but like 
whatever, like decentralized where people go find stuff. The internet goes back to the 1990s or it was a freaking mess. And unless you had a web address, you couldn't figure out where cool stuff was. Like you just, like you just couldn't go find it. It's almost it like too, too private. It becomes too private. Well, it's not even about too, private. Yeah. It, like, I don't think actually, I don't think Web3 solves a privacy problem. I really don't. I mean, I'm interested to hear that no. people think that's true. But what it, what it does is it deprivatizes and removes barriers to content, right? So like paywalls and all these things can go away because like people own their own content and own the platforms on which the content is on. And there's no reliance on these central like, you know, corporations to make it all happen, even though that's not necessarily true because the technology is running on some tech infrastructure that's owned by somebody. Like that's, the reality like but i mean i feel like we already had web 3 in a sense and it was the internet in the early 1990s where unless i knew to go to hamsterdance.com i didn't know that it existed and wouldn't go there like you know uh, and and it was owned by some guy who ran his own website and was having hamster but dance you know on the what internet. was missing pedro at, at that web one era if we will yeah. is this digital creator economy as it is now Right. right. And so I feel like Web3 is saying, let's shift the scales of power and ownership back from sort of these platforms, which gatekeep digital content and creators and how they can make money and things like that and how they are surfaced back towards those creators and users and build these, allow these communities to grow in a way that they are otherwise unable to on sort of these other platforms that have incentives to surface certain content at certain times or sponsored stuff or whatever. Now, that is what they say, right? I, I am not sold or like a hundred percent on all of this either, because I think, you know, who is building Web three, right? Like we yes, we have the DAOs and the creators and the communities and, and the cool Telegram groups and stuff, but we also have, you know, Nike and Coinbase and you know JK, right. JP Morgan with their tiger in their lobby in the metaverse, right? Like we, they are big companies, right? And so are we kind of going, you know, back in a circle? Yeah, a bit. I mean, and, and I agree with you. And like, additionally, like I, I, I challenge the notion, obviously I work at one of the platforms, but that's not why. Like I, like if I want to go viral right now, there's two places on the internet. I'm going to go like, I'm going to go to TikTok and I'm going to go to Instagram, maybe Twitter, but not really. Right. Like Twitter just serves a different function. I'm not no knock on Twitter. It's just not where a lot of things go bananas unless you're already famous. Right. If you're already famous, Twitter is where you definitely go. Um, but like if I'm just a guy and I want to make content and I want millions of people to see it, I got to make quality content. And then I'm going to go on TikTok and Instagram and let it explode. I don't see how the vision for Web3 enables that. Right. Like, in fact, I think it fractures that in a lot of ways, um, because who's going to make the investment to build a platform that's going to attract four billion eyes so that you can then put your cool content up and monetize it in the metaverse i think i can see some interesting application right but it doesn't disrupt the kind of world order like if nike says we're going to issue 50 of these and in order to use them in the metaverse you have to have bought this nft and have this tokenization idea whatever it is in your wallet otherwise we're gonna like you know you, you don't you're, you don't have access to them or whatever we're going to block your IP access to them. That's one thing. But this is just the way things work in the regular world. Like, th this isn't something new. Sort of my I take on it. I'm pretty skeptical, as I hope I sound. <laughs> you sound skeptical. Yeah, I think the technology is interesting. I just think, like, this idea that it's, like, going to free the world from the 
you know, golden handcuffs of well, corporate. That, that's why that's whatever. why Coinbase just, that's why Coinbase is a good choice. I mean, to be honest with you, and that's why when they went public, I was like, if all if I'm gonna invest, that's a safe place to invest, right? Like yeah. the 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 Coinbases of the world are very smart. Uh, you know, it, it's a smart thing because of the necessity around it. You're right. Like all of the contours of what happens with quote Web three and and whatnot, a lot of unknown about how it plays out. But I guess I, I want to also just circle back to us being lawyers for these for these companies. And I guess, Sonia, my, my question for you is the, we know like the laws are so behind. Like yeah. how how do you it's like, I don't know, like trying to f- pilot a spaceship, you know, with like a phonograph needle. Like it just feels very, dis- <laughs> very like it does. Detached. It does. Yeah. And I, I, I talk about this all the time. Um, and this is something that keeps me up and, um, I actually am expecting inside. I have like all these like really lofty plans for after I have my child that involve me like writing intelligent things that will likely not happen. But this is one of them, which is, I think like, you guys do, you guys do like, uh, NFTs for like, um, babies, baby shower, baby shower, <laughs> NFTs. Oh my gosh. I should do it in the you're gonna make a right? million dollars. This is how you're going to, this is how you're going to save for your kid's education. You're going to do baby shower NFTs and you're going to get rich. Uh, let's take this offline. Let's take this offline. Stop talking Wait. about it. <laughs> so, so, um, I think web three, right. NFTs, all these things shifts. Like, let, let's say, let's stick on privacy for a second. It shifts the, cal- but I think this is relevant to any sort of legal application. It shifts the calculus that we have historically used to evaluate a review for privacy issues, right? And to make legal decisions or determinations. Why? It's because these laws that we have have historically been contemplated in a world that existed, right? And so we could measure and we had these domains and we had these considerations that we all looked at to calculate legal risk that kind of get done away with in some ways when you think about a public ledger that is immutable, right? Or like like the blockchain, right? Or, you know, this concept of NFTs and tracing ownership um, and like what it means to mint those, right? And so one of the things I always push back on when we're, we're discussing, obviously I work at Coinbase and we are thinking about NFTs and Web3 often, as we should be. Um, when, we, when we try to think about these notions of things like, uh, you know, the NFT marketplace or like, uh, you know, these like domain names that you need to enter the metaverse, like how does a corporation facilitating that, right? Like creating the on-ramps present legal considerations or legal risk and to what extent does that create privacy risks or burdens for the company right and those are hard to measure using our standard sort of ways we think about things like well is pii you know being posted a blockchain well not yet but is a wallet address pii on its own i mean it is on the back end but are we do we really want to make these arguments you know that will then disrupt the entire notion of what it means to to interact with the blockchain, right? What does a right to erasure look like? Is it worth posting PII on the blockchain? Can you even get away from doing that? If you do that, like, what are you supposed to do now? What are the mitigations? Are there mitigations, right? These are unanswered questions, I think. Like, what is a DSAR request, right? What is, what are, how do you fulfill those in these, in these environments, right? Um, you know, NFT marketplaces, most of them, like, uh, 
OpenSea and these other ones, you just have to connect your hardware wallet, right, to enter. There's no using an email address or, or anything like that. So like their authentication goes through your wallet. So again, like what is the right of erasure? Like you just, how do you break that link if every time you come in, you can just re-authenticate, right? And so like, these are complicated questions that aren't as easy as like delete my Spotify account, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not that simple. Um, And so it takes a lot more digging and thinking and similarly like content moderation, right? Like if someone's like, that's a picture of me or I own that art and someone minted it on the, on chain, like we need to use these content moderation sort of regimes or regulations or or notions and try to apply them here and find ways to make people whole right? And it's very difficult, right? And it's very difficult without intermediaries, which is why companies set up these marketplaces, right? But yeah, I, I think it's very challenging. And it, it, it's, I don't think anything's settled. And we're all just kind of, you know, you know, one thing that I, I love that Coinbase has done, and, and, and I think Coinbase, honestly, is in the lead on this by a 150 miles. And it doesn't matter how skeptical I am about the like application of NFT in the like art market world. Like w- NFT is going to have an application. Like the technology itself is going to be meaningful. And I just don't think it's going to be what frees the world from like, you know, governments and corporations. But if you look at what Coinbase did and when they did it, they saw a demand for a new resource, right? Which is coin. And we haven't talked a lot about coins, but like crypto coins, right? They saw there was interest. And it was really hard for an average person to buy Bitcoin four years ago, five years ago, three years ago, right? It was hard. Like there's all these things you had to do just to be able to access this new, uh, I don't want to use the word marketplace, but this new resource that people were interested in and increasingly uh, uh, researching and, and learning more about. And Coinbase just sort of like retailed it. Right. Like the, you turned it into an exchange that, that they, these existed, but they were hard and technical and difficult to use. And you just said, no, like bring a credit card, link us to the bank. We can turn your cash into crypto and we'll charge you a small fee for it. Or excuse me, we can buy crypto using your, 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 your cash resources and we'll charge you a small fee for it. Like as simple as that idea is, like nobody was doing it. And then Coinbase just came in and said, we're going to make this easy for people and intuitive. And I think you guys blew open the access to this new sort of like not yet regulated space where a lot of cool investing and speculating and essentially gambling can take place. But um, that is democratizing. And But, but it's a know, company doing it is my point. It's, a it's company not like doing some, it. yeah. it's like, that's my point. And that is, that like, is you, central to the mission, right? The yeah, mission right. of Coinbase is to, to create economic freedom for the world. I will say like, absolutely agree with everything you say. And I think it's been wonderful in that regard and has really allowed for widespread adoption, right? And all these benefits around bringing, like moving the needle on economic freedom, right? But, you know, one of the reasons I think, one of the trade-offs that you see, and that I always think about this as like the OG crypto users, it's like privacy is at the core, right, of crypto, right? Even now. Um, the more you see these like arrivals of, of, of exchanges and things like that, they then need to register and they subject themselves to these regulatory environments. And then they become, um, there's like this uh, sort of erosion of some of that, that, that initial sort of like privacy, right? Cause now you have reporting obligations on certain transactions and things like that. If you're held out to be a financial institution and the like, which is, you know, Coinbase has those obligations and so do other exchanges. And so, 
you know, I think you'd still see this, like, what is now become a bit of a minority, but these are, like, old, like, more OG crypto users that wanted, like, the meetups, right? Like that anonymity, like that you had to see someone to get the, get crypto. It obviously wasn't scalable, right? And so you do have some sort of um, trade-offs that always occur, right? I think, and it's not inclusive, you know, by the way. Like, it's not inclusive. It's yeah, not and open. it's not inclusive, it, like, right? It's not the democratizing. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it has, exactly. have to, it has exactly. to evolve. I do think our role as privacy professionals is to make sure those trade-offs aren't so significant, right? That we do find ways, like, going back to our earlier point when we talk about, like, how do we ensure that we are, like, building into the product, right? I think how do we build privacy into our products? How do we evangelize privacy as a notion, across these companies as they continue to grow, right? How do we keep that ethos of privacy that started off at these meetups in in this now massive global scale, right? When that little uh, girl I'm grows gonna, up... I'm going to go, I'm like, gonna go, <laughs> I go pick up my she, other kid, but say when, hi. When she, hey, Andy, before you go, hi. When she grows up, the world of NFTs is going to be something we don't imagine, and that's the cool part to I me. Know. Like all of I this know. stuff We're will all be over just it. not what we expected it to be. Um, anyway, I, thanks for I hanging love out. talking to you guys. Sonia, thanks for being with us. I'm going to go pick up my yeah. other kid. Hopefully, I'll catch uh, you guys in DC next week. Yeah, that'd be See great. you next week. All right. Bye. If you're a GC and joining Tech GC is a must, uh, reach out to a Tech GC member to get a nomination or click a link in the show notes below. <laughs> you click that link, it's not spam. Like, be real. Nice throw in. <laughs> if you're a GC joining Tech GC is a <laughs> this must, is so good. reach out to a Tech GC member to get nominated or click the link in the show notes below. Yeah, click that link. It's not spam. Peace. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.